Sophie, you're anxious. Always. Are you? Can be. Right now? Well, I'm with you, so yeah. <laughs> the, the anxious energy always exceeds when we're together. <laughs> no, anxiety is an interesting one because I would say, if I'm brutally honest, I've had it my entire life. Well, I've had it even before your entire life. <laughs> okay, well, started, yeah, because you're younger so than me. I've had it. Since so I've I was had in it young. So yeah, I had it before you even thought you had it. So <laughs> there does. I don't know if it, you know. Obviously, anxiety is spoken about way more now than it was in previous years. I feel like maybe a couple of generations back, if you were anxious, you were just seen as having sort of like. A funny turn or something. Well, it was seen as seen as sort of being like nervous. Yeah, about something. having or a you nervous disposition. Butterflies, you know. Yeah, or um, being hysterical as well. Which yeah, was often how women were perceived as having anxiety. Is that how you felt that you were perceived? When I had anxiety as a child, my mum used to call it having a funny turn, and that is exactly what I thought it was until I became an adult. So interesting. Let's this. Go back, like get into that a little bit. Was do you think your mum was an anxious person? She was. In fact, I know that because my dad has told me that she used to have panic attacks. Um, okay, when they were younger, I think they kind of stopped when she had kids. Um, I never witnessed her having anxiety in any of the sort of outward ways that you would normally see anxiety. Obviously, there's lots to be said about how anxiety manifests differently in different people. But yeah, it's definitely something that. I've inherited either genetically and physically and physiologically or just um, emotionally and mentally, perhaps. But yeah, she had anxiety. Um, did your parents have anxiety? Not, again, not outwardly, obviously, if that's a way of saying something, outwardly, obviously, not obviously. Nailed it. Uh, but, you know, I would imagine there was anxieties. My, my mum was very ill when I was younger, so... She must have had anxieties around mm. what she was going through. Yeah, so sort of whether that sort of rubs anxiety. Off. But then you could yeah. say that that's not really anxiety. That's just a, re a very natural reaction to yeah. what's going on. And I think yeah. that's where people can get confused sometimes between feeling anxious and having anxiety. Mm. Um, certainly, like in previous years, I used to feel quite impatient towards people if they said they had anxiety, but really they were just nervous or felt a bit anxious about something situational. And... I would be kind of like, you don't know, you <laughs> you haven't really suffered. <laughs> um, but yeah. Mm, I think, yeah, and I, I think there's a case for that. And I think from my, from my own personal point of view, like my anxieties probably stemmed a lot from being quite shy. I was quite a shy child. So it was around maybe more of a social anxiety mm. sort of thing. And, um, and yeah, and maybe being slightly sheltered as well, again, possibly because... Um, of things that were going on at home with regards to illness and stuff. So I think I was probably wrapped up in cotton wool a little bit because I was the little one. Mm, interesting, interesting. See, I would say our, ma our anxiety probably manifests in different ways. Mm. I would say I have never had social anxiety, even though my anxiety manifested very, very early on as a young child in selective mutism, um, which is a severe anxiety disorder in which you can't physically talk it's not that you choose not to it's not that you're shy you just can't I think a lot of people still struggle to understand that to this day I still get people that were like oh you chose not to talk or oh you were very shy interestingly for me it was never about the social you know obviously 
it was a social it has element an impact of it. On that, yeah. yeah, because I was unable to speak, it manifested in a very social way, but I wouldn't have classed it as social anxiety. It was anxiety, it was a physiological anxiety, stress response, fight or flight, however you want to call it. Um, my nervous system was so dysregulated, it manifested in not being able to talk. But actually, I was a very sociable child. You know, when I was at home, I was very chatty. I enjoyed spending time with people. To this day, you know, I love seeing friends and going out and being in rooms full of people and being chatty. And, you know, it's never it's never impacted me in that sense where I feel like I can't go out or see people or anything like that. For me, it's always been more of a kind of physiological thing that I cannot explain. It's just, it's always been there. But are there certain triggers? Now, we, I mean, you and I have talked about things like rejection and then around kind of work and stuff. So are there specific triggers now that you find, yeah, that yeah. you find trigger the anxiety? I I love that stress response. That stress response, I guess. Yeah, I get uh, just looking at you now with your notebook and the way you're sat. I feel like I'm in a therapy session. You are. <laughs> We're making notes. Um, drawing pictures. Yeah, <laughs> drawing a picture of me. Blah 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 blah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, there's definitely some triggers that I notice. Often, I will find that if it's something that I'm kind of not really looking closely at or rejecting like if something deep down doesn't feel right if I am in a situation that I know doesn't feel right and yeah I'm kind of burying my head in the sand it will then start to manifest in anxiety for me it certainly used to manifest quite a lot in relationships if I found myself not wanting to be with that person anymore or something didn't feel right about the relationship I'd start having panic attacks and I you know eventually I would start to interpret it as actually I don't want to be with this person anymore and the minute we broke up the anxiety just completely Mm. disappeared and I stopped having the panic attacks my appetite would come back and yeah it was like magic um so there's yeah definitely some situations that trigger the anxiety or sometimes though nothing that I can put my finger on it um I have had gut checks done gut health tests done which you have obviously heard a lot about because i tell you everything (laughs) um and that you know came back with some uh indicators that could potentially be the reason for anxiety like you know having a poor microbiome in the gut Uh, i know we've spoken to pauline um cox about nutrition and how important that is for the brain gut connection and so i've uh, changed up my diet slightly i've started taking probiotics prebiotics stuff like that um which actually has had a huge impact on anxiety for me so that's interesting so let's all right so w- i'm always seeing anxiety from an emotional response point mm. of view but actually what you're sort of saying there is it actually could just be a physiological thing in yeah. that you know if you're not eating properly. I mean, people talk about if, you know, if you overindulge mm. with food. I've spoken to a few people recently, like who've gone out and had a heavy night drinking. Uh, and so, you know, even I've spoken to people who've given up drinking because it causes such severe anxiety after, you know, the come down. Um, and you do, you know, obviously you get that from like taking certain medications or even recreational drugs. Mm. Um, so that's interesting that now you're kind of maybe seeing it as more physiological disorder if you Mm, want as opposed to an emotional disorder definitely it's been a journey and it's one that I've it's been like a lifelong task for me to try and get to the bottom of because 
it honestly is one of the only things that I hate about myself. <laughs> like, you know, people have their start like, oh, I wish I could change this or I wish I could mm. change that. I think I've made peace with pretty much everything about myself except for the anxiety. I just hate it. I hate how it gets in the way of things and it, cha- you know, it changes situations and it makes me feel like crap. And so as a child, I was obviously told, oh, you're having a funny turn. And it was almost worded in a way that was kind of like, you're being hysterical. You're just, you know. And then as I got a little bit older, I started to see it more as like an emotional thing and it was anxiety, but it was caused by things and situations. Yeah. And it was just my, my, my a therapist once said it was like um, a broken car alarm. It just kept going off, you know, it's there f- for a reason. It's your fight or flight response, but it's just going off at the wrong time. Um, and now I started to see it more as like a physiological thing. And I think that has actually been the most impactful because it's been a I've I've been able to come up with some solutions mm. like changing the diet and the probiotics and the prebiotics um and uh my, stuff like microdosing and stuff like that I've explored many different avenues um and found what kind of works for me and you know I'm still discovering new things and still occasionally having flare ups of it but it's definitely better than it it once was um so yeah well it makes sense because you know if you get you know as someone who takes anxiety medication there is obviously a chemical imbalance yeah whether it's brain gut whether you know obviously if the gut there's a link there Mm. um so it makes sense that actually there is something not just that the it manifests physiologically but actually there is something kind of deep down that is more physiological absolutely and just for listeners as well that don't have as much experience with anxiety and I hate you all because (laughs) I'm so jealous but there's varying degrees of anxiety as well and there comes a point where your anxiety can become an anxiety disorder which is when it definitely affects your life to the point where Mm. like similarly with depression for example if you're having sort of like suicidal ideation and stuff like that with anxiety disorders you're having like severe and regular panic attacks that last for long periods of time you might not be able to eat Uh, for me obviously it meant I couldn't speak in many social situations if it's a disorder then it is impacting your life in a really negative way and sometimes medical intervention is necessary for you to be able to cope and and have a you know have a good healthy happy life Mm. so I'm curious to know when when it was in your life I don't think I've ever asked you actually was there a moment that you decided I need to go on medication for this. I can't go on anymore with mm. this anxiety. Yeah, yeah. So it would have been um so my father passed away in nineteen ninety eight and that certainly was like as you'd imagine, uh traumatic mm. and put me in a you know in a difficult place and definitely enhanced the um the sensations of anxiety, whether that's, you know, like not in the stomach, you know, palpitations, whatever it might be. So those, yeah, those physical, um, I guess they become ailments in a way, mm. uh, were, were very much on the surface. And then I broke up with a girlfriend a couple of years after that as well. So it was kind of around that period of time where my anxiety was very heightened and I did seek help from a GP. And, you know, that as a lot of happens in, you know, in, you know, this period of time in our lives it mm. you know, a lot of gps do recommend you take medication i did do an anxiety management course as well which mm. was um 
Go on. Kind of strange. Like uh, <laughs> it was a group therapy. When was this? In like the 90s? Early noughties this would have been. Oh, wow. Because uh, I was going to say that's quite progressive for that period, right? Yeah, but it was, yeah. Uh, and it was also, it was called anxiety management. Um, mm. But it was such a cross-section like it's, of... It's similar to like anger management. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Um, <laughs> and, but it was such a cross-section of people in it. And um, what I found interesting was that it, it, there was there was people there who were there were, I mean there was like a couple of people that were clearly bipolar you know, mm. had very severe mm. mental health issues I was you know I was probably on the cusp in, not in the middle I wouldn't say I was even in the middle I was really on the probably the mm. the less hard hitting side of mental health and then there was like uh, there was an old lady there who'd I think had had some like heart palpitations mm. and really all she you know, they just told her maybe don't have any caffeine anymore mm. and then go to this group. And <laughs> she was so happy. Like, she was like wow. a really jolly lady. I think she found it weird that she was there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And of... so it was like a cross-section of people that probably wasn't a great mix, really, because because especially in a group therapy situation, it's obviously the first, only time I've ever done it, so I can't, mm. I can't speak for other... You know, I'm sure people do get stuff, stuff out of it. But you do tend to... Well, in the sessions I were in, you got certain people that were dominating the sessions mm. who, you know, there was one lady who was dominating and obviously everything's relative, but her, so her, her reasons for being there were obviously nowhere near as impactful as, say, mm. one of the people with bipolar. So it was a kind of yeah, a strange yeah. thing. Having said that, one of the best, best things I got out of it was learning a load of breathing techniques. Mm, and going forwards, that's always been really useful for me when I've been in heightened states. Right, so it's... Learning breathing techniques and learning to sort of self-soothe and all that kind of stuff. Right, yeah, so I guess you're talking about um, what's the opposite of preventative? Like react, quite reactive methods, you know, yeah. when you're in in that state. Yeah, absolutely, state. totally reactive. And I suppose from a medical point of view, they were giving me medication mm. to to prevent. prevent yeah. And then this these sessions were way of mm. learning some skills to, for the reactive part of things. But it was like an eight-week course, and mm. you know, then you kind of like, see you later. Yeah, get Good luck. <laughs> Good luck in your life, me. in your anxiety-free life. Yeah, it reminds me um, of like those weird like prison groups where you've got one person who's like murdered his whole family and then yeah. someone that's in for stealing like a chocolate yeah. bar. <laughs> yeah, like and it's a bit like that. Together. And, um, you know, obviously it's, it's ticky because, and I should imagine it's even more difficult now Mm. With um, you know, with the the way that um, let's not get political, but yeah, just the way that um, social care and mental health um, care is overlooked. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's a long financially, way to go. so I think you know it's difficult. Um, but yeah, so it was useful in lots of ways, but then in, in lots of other ways, it's. Mm. But for me, I think the journey's slightly changed. You know, obviously, you've come to learn to deal with stuff with regards to your anxiety with um you know changing your diet and looking at your physical health mm. um i've kind of come around to the idea of um always knowing that i had adhd and mm. seeing the anxiety intertwined with my neurodiversity mm. um and then thinking okay so I've probably always had ADHD. That's probably why I've always had anxiety as well. And yeah, yeah. the actually that the, they marry up very um, closely. Those yeah. two things, and commonly as well. Very commonly, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I think I, there probably are many people out there that have anxiety, 
and many other mental health issues or neurodivergencies that are just undiagnosed or yeah un, you know untreated and yeah and it's a really interesting area because when you sort of start to learn these things about yourself you you reflect on it so you then you like you think back to your past like how was i treated was i was always treated slightly different mm. from families from friends from uh, um or, or perceived as being different so then that exacerbates that feeling of feeling slightly isolated that you're different that you're not normal yeah inverted commas uh which then causes you to feel more anxious because you when you're in situations where you don't feel like you're normal or you can have a normal conversation whatever it is then the anxiety flares up so Ugh, yeah. as well as all the other stuff that comes along with being neurodiverse then you've obviously got that other layer of baggage that's caused yeah yeah do you know what interestingly on that topic i've noticed over the years that the people that i feel the most comfortable with are the people that also suffer from anxiety and so like for example if i'm having a big old flare up of anxiety where I'm just feeling particularly heightened and anxious and like not eating properly and just like feeling like shit like no I'll still be able to go to your house for example <laughs> and like hang out with you or like hang out with other certain friends that I have that also have, have anxiety but the idea of hanging out with somebody that doesn't quite understand mm. that it's it feels like being trapped in a cage that you can't get out of because for example went for me the way my manifest um my anxiety manifests is my stomach it's like my stomach's in knots you know it's like it's racing heart and that's just like the the beginning stages of mm. it not even getting into like what a full-blown panic attack is like but my appetite goes and I struggle to eat anything without feeling sick and nauseous and um that's a real problem for me because my metabolism, as you know, is ridiculously fast and my whole life has been a constant struggle to put on weight. So then the less I can eat, the more I panic that yeah. I can't eat and that I'm going to lose weight. It? It's a yeah. negative cycle. But if I'm sort of hanging out with someone that doesn't ha really understand or have anxiety, then they're like, well, just try this or like, yeah. let's get a takeaway. Or like they're trying to sort of help, but mm. also trying to sort of force. And I say to people, you know, the best thing that you can do to like for me to get rid of my anxiety entirely is to not put any pressure on and to also just you know be like it's okay if you don't want to eat it's fine um and then the chances are i then become really hungry again <laughs> yeah <laughs> you feel set like safe it's a strange one but um, yeah I, I agree i think there are certain people that you can be your anxious self with you know if, for want of a better way yeah it's like it. being your best self but being your anxious self yeah that's something to aspire to be yeah <laughs> um but yeah so f for the listeners though who are maybe listening to this that have anxiety from two people that have had it our whole lives and have constantly sort of like explored ways of coping and also solving it to some degree what would be some good um sort of methods and tools that they might be able to use to overcome anxiety well i think Firstly, like just being open about it, talking about it to people, friends, family, like saying that this is part of who you are. I think, yeah, really, um, really digging into what, how you feel in those moments, I guess, like doing a bit of a checklist on stuff, mm. um, knowing what sort of thing. And then I guess from that point of view, you can start to figure out what triggers you a little bit. Um, and then just putting in those elements of self-care things that you know 
either maybe avoiding certain situations or it might be yeah looking for ways where that or the ways and means to make those situations better for you so mm -hmm. whether it's doing some meditation or or learning some breathing techniques or cold water swimming whatever it might be that might actually you know impact you in a positive way mm, yeah i suppose everyone's different as well yeah. so what makes me feel better might not work exactly for you. yeah um yeah i mean i would say keeping a journal of times when it's trig been triggered as well because you might know and have a pretty good understanding of why you feel anxious and what triggers that but i mean for many years i couldn't put my finger on it so maybe just keeping a journal of trying to get to the root of why you actually feel anxious what is it what is it that you're kind of not facing up to and denying within yourself that your your body feels unsafe about or mm. um, dysregulated in some way um so journaling it out often helps me personally um getting enough sleep like it sounds really basic but the amount of people that are just running on fumes and you know i always think when you're when you're at your lowest if your your lowest is only relative to what your baseline is so if your baseline is you know like you're tired and you're stressed and works you know if you then have a period where you're feeling particularly low that's going to be really low whereas if you're implementing like positive mental health habits daily and so your baseline is quite high when you have those periods of feeling low or anxious or depressed or whatever it is that's not going to be quite as detrimental as it would do if you were already in a really bad state I sleep's feel. massive sleep's yeah. a massive one because yeah it, sleep will cause you to feel anxious yeah if you don't yeah, sleep yeah. enough oh 100 yeah. we've all been there where mm. we have a night out with friends or something and you get like three hours sleep and you feel hung over the whole yeah. rest of the day emotional i always feel really like depressed yeah you know and drinking alcohol i don't really drink alcohol um anymore and I just thought, why? Like, it impacts your mental health, makes you feel like crap. Um, and we were talking to Dom, Dom Jolly. <laughs> I always get Dom Jolly, Dom Jolly, Dom Jolly about this, weren't we? When he was talking about his sleep apnea and how, you know, if you don't get enough sleep, you cut to, you know, 20 years and you're having strokes and stuff like well, that. Well, probably like, cut 20 years off your life. It does, yeah. yeah it shortens see, your so, life. Yeah. So if it's having that detrimental effect on your physical health how is it going to also be affecting your mental yeah. health so it's important to prioritize and i know it's not always easy with like kids and work and stuff like that but it's so so important and then there's little micro things you can change like for example just drink decaffeinated coffee rather than have caffeinated coffee yeah. things like that little things that you can just change like mm. your dietary stuff you've talked about yeah that can actually make a big difference because again yeah. like not sleeping enough drinking loads of caffeine they're all like kind of yeah definitely roots towards high anxiety yeah i know that it's one that a lot of people sort of maybe struggle with struggle struggle with the concept or struggle to find the time to do it but also meditation in whichever form that might be for you is a game changer mm. i'm particularly bad at making time for it and doing it I don't know why I feel guilty setting aside 20 minutes to meditate each day, but I feel absolutely fine scrolling on my phone for three hours. It's ridiculous. But anyway, that's my thing. But you don't need to dedicate 20 minutes. You could dedicate f literally five minutes. Yeah. Two minutes. Mm. You could just sit for two minutes in silence, just like being one with yourself. Mm. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I prefer guided meditation because I like the voice 
someone mm, actually yeah. telling me what to do <laughs> is much better. Um, but like I say, even like for a couple of minutes, five minutes, mm. just give yourself just a little breather, like a little break, yeah. time to reflect, you know, um, just let your thoughts settle a bit, turn the noise down. Yeah, and there's all sorts of like meditation soundtracks on YouTube yeah. and Spotify. And we were speaking to Niall Beck about um, binaural beats, weren't we? And different frequencies of music and stuff like that that you can um, listen to. And I, I think what she was saying is that binaural beats, they work in, in that they go in through one ear and then into another or something. And it, it changes, literally changes the way your brain waves are moving. And so you get into that meditative state so much easier. So I always do that. Like I'll either have some music playing or like you, I have a sort of guided meditation yeah. thing that I listen to. Um, Cause apparently I'm incapable of just sitting in silence with my own. It's thoughts. hard. Like there's, there's no two ways about it. Meditation is, is challenging. It's not mm. easy. I don't think anyone mm. will tell you any different. You know, yeah. you could be like, I don't know, like a meditation expert and still say it's really, really tricky. It's yeah. not easy to do, yeah. but that is part of it. And um, the other thing I'd say, like maybe going, like take yourself out for a walk, being in nature for a bit, if you can, mm. but oh, listening definitely. to music or any of those sort of things, I guess it's looking for things that maybe give you a nice bit of dopamine, you know, maybe it's exercise. I mean, they're all kind of mm. obvious things, but totally it's obvious. totally all it's totally right what those are the things that work yeah but it's also those are the things that immediately get dropped off yeah. the minute life takes over or you get busy or whatever it might be like going for walks i used to walk every single day either through the woods or to the beach with the dogs obviously one of those dogs has now sadly passed away and and my one remaining dog has got um has got spinal issues so she can't go for walks anymore and so i just don't go for a walk ever and actually those daily walks used to be moments where I would sort of like look out at nature I'd be, you know I'd spend the whole day looking at a computer screen or a, a piece of artwork I'd actually take my eyes out further mm. it changes your whole brain state I think doing that getting a bit of sunlight vitamin d as yeah. well like which is something especially in England people just don't get enough of everyone's kind of vitamin d deficient nowadays um so yeah, that's something I need to definitely reintroduce just going for a walk on my own because it felt worthwhile when I was going with the dogs and now it feels like it would just be a waste of time and I would feel guilty for doing that if I went without them. Strange. So mm. We get in our own ways, don't we? We do. So yeah, that's good. Yeah. Cool. Happy anxietying. <laughs> yeah, good luck with your anxiety. Um. <laughs> <laughs> good job we're not uh, therapists, eh? Thank you.